Nobody puts baby in a corner. You talking to me? You talking to me? To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> this is God. I told you I was hot tonight. Uh, excuse me, miss. Do you think it might be possible to turn that music down so maybe a couple of the boys could talk? Your hand is staining my window. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm going to break your heart with it. What kind of beer? Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? What? Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough, I get the point. Hello, welcome back to Movies for Life. My name is Brian Kuyper. And I'm Michelle Egan. This is uh, episode three of so three. zillions ahead of us, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know about that. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll try. Well, we'll see. Episode three of at least five. Let's put it there. At least five. At least five. Okay. That's our goal for, before we release anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right off the top of the show, um, hey, we've got a new graphic that my uh, father-in-law made for us, and I think it's pretty cool. I think it's amazing. Yes. I love it. So his name is uh, Cheeto Pebanito, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> to, I'm so grateful uh, to him uh, for... I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, he's a he's a great guy and um, he was very kind and he made it for us for free because he's, it's not new to you guys but it's new to us. It's new to us, yeah. We love it and we're excited about it. Yeah, yeah. So we we appreciate Cheeto and his generosity in creating that for us and doing such a beautiful job on it. And uh, so we wanted to mention that off the top of the show. Uh, so today we are talking birth year movie for us and which is pretty self-explanatory yeah and you know for me okay so my birth year 1978 there were a lot of things i could have picked i mean halloween i am surprised you didn't pick halloween yeah halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time i mean it's to me i mean it's a, and i'm sure we'll talk about halloween at some point because sure. it's awesome and uh, Jaws 2, which <laughs> I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. I love Jaws 2. It's a really good sequel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, see here, what else was there? there? Dawn of the Dead. I Want to Hold Your Hand, Robert Zemeckis' first film was I haven't seen from that. that year. Oh, it's great. And it was. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Uh, recently released on Criterion, um, oh. which is pretty cool. So yeah, there are lots of great movies from 1978. Um that I could have picked, but I chose Richard Donner's Superman the movie. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about why when we get to it. Do we just want to jump into that, or do you want to introduce your movie as a tease at the beginning? Yeah, just to say what's coming up. Okay. Um, yeah, my birth year was 1985, which, again, like some of my favorite movies, some really great movies in that year. Uh, fucking Clue. Like, oh, yeah. that's got to come up. Sometime later on. Yeah, I love that uh, movie. Breakfast Club, After Hours. I mean, uh. Back to the Future, I, going with a big one. Back to the Future, yeah. Uh, <laughs> huge ones. Yeah. A lot of huge ones in that year. Another but, Robert Zemeckis. But I picked, um, got just a movie that I've loved for so long, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Mask, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, starring Cher. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I really can't wait to talk about that movie, to be honest. I know. Um, so, uh, once again, we've chosen, okay, Michelle has chosen a movie for me to watch that I haven't seen 
I've seen once in a very long time ago, like, you know, 30 plus years ago. And then I have chosen one that Michelle has never seen. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, you, you went through 35 years of life without ever having seen Superman, the motion picture. And this sort of boggles my mind a little, a little bit. Okay, just because when I was a kid, okay, this movie was everywhere. Yeah. This was the shit. I mean, Christopher Reeve was a mega star because of this movie and mm-hmm. and of course uh the sequel. I went through all of the drama. <laughs> uh I don't I'm too young to remember so obviously Superman coming out or two. Uh but I saw 3 think in a drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> and it scared the living shit out of me. And I am not really? kidding. I am not kidding. It scared me to death. Because uh, there's this scene at the end where this lady gets turned into a robot, and it just freaked me out. I, I was like, you know, four or five. Do I need to watch the sequels now? Um, <laughs> not necessarily. Um, no? Okay, ah. in my, okay here's, here's the thing. I like Superman 2. Part of it is because something that gets set up in this movie is carried over into two. Uh, the the thing I texted you about? Yeah, the thing you texted me about. We'll talk about <laughs> okay. that in a minute. I was so confused about uh, that. <laughs> I love that part. That, that, was, that was implanted on my brain. Okay, anyway, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, so anyway, Superman 2 um, was filmed concurrently with, the ori- with Superman. Richard Donner filmed many of the scenes that are in Superman 2. However, um, for some reason, the Salkinds, the producers of Superman were not keen to work with him again for some reason. And so they hired uh, Richard Lester to finish the film. It's got some great stuff in it. It's got some stuff that is better than the first movie. And it has some other stuff that's like, that is so weird and sometimes stupid. (laughs) Okay. So it's one of those kinds of things. Uh, Of course, of course, years later, um, they released uh, Richard Donner's director's cut of Superman 2, which is pretty different, has a lot of great scenes from the extant version, and it's a little strange because they it ends the same way as Superman the motion picture. Originally, it was going to be one huge arc of between the two movies where what happens at the end of the first movie was going to actually be at the end of the second movie, and so they okay. moved it so that the first movie would have a big climax. Kind of confusing. Anyway, <laughs> Superman 3, however, there is no Lex Luthor. Uh, you went no. Out. Yeah, so Gene Hackman was out. He was like, I'm not doing this uh, because of what you did to Richard Donner. And so Richard Pryor was brought in because nothing says villainy like uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke, of course, but uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's an uneven movie. It has some cool stuff. Uh, four is an absolute disaster. That's what I've heard. Yeah, four, <laughs> I know four, that. Four is, um, <laughs> oh man, four is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say anything nice about four, to be honest. But we're not here to talk about the sequels. We're talking about the first one, the f- which I, I was a little hesitant to watch. I know, I'm not gonna lie, but I knew that I was gonna love it probably because of Christopher Reeve, and yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it and. Plus, it was so much fun. 
and so mm-hmm. much funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> okay. This was a great ride. I mean, I'm glad I watched this. I'm glad you made me. <laughs> you know what? I am. I was, I was so nervous because I knew as soon as I mentioned that you were, and this was several weeks ago. You were like, really? You're going to make me watch a comic book movie? <laughs> and I was like, it's not a comic book movie like you think it's of not. them now. It's really not. It's very different than sort of the Marvel Universe thing. Or even, you know, like the Christopher Nolan, you know, Batman thing. Or, or even Tim Burton's Batman thing. It's it's really different than any of those. And it's a lot of fun. And like we talked about, like, I don't have any problem with no. comic book movies or people that like them. It's just something that I never got into. So I don't know... The stories, the, the mm-hmm. people, I don't really have any connection to it. So whenever I watch them, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was a couple that I like. I like the ones like kind of on the outskirts, probably Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't love Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of the same way. You know, I, I as a kid, though, I, I, I really loved the Tim Burton Batmans. I remember seeing them uh, in the theaters. And my first date was to Batman Returns. So, hey. Yeah, I I was a terrible date. Um, Anyway, but... (laughs) I am a big fan of uh, Batman Forever. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw Batman Forever and Batman and Robin in the theaters as well. I did too, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Which was super fun, honestly, to go see that in the theater. It was. It was a packed theater, Mm -hmm. and the crowd was honestly loving it. Mm -hmm. They were having so much fun. Yeah. laughing and yelling at the screen and clapping just because it was ridiculous exactly you know so that's it was actually a good theater experience to go see batman and robin yeah you know and i and i remember surprisingly i remember all that stuff too and and in a weird way i would say like the the joel schumacher batman movies kind of have a something of the superman feel to them they don't take themselves too seriously they're they're a little bit i mean I think there's probably a little bit more. I mean, the big word that Richard Donner used while making this movie was verisimilitude, which is, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of a sense of reality, a sense that it could happen. Yeah. But it's still very much grounded in in the um, extravagance of the comics. That's what I liked about it mm-hmm. is that it it kind of it acknowledges that some of this is pretty absurd. Yeah. But it has fun with it and it takes it seriously enough to where it works in the story, but Yeah. You know, it's still <laughs> I think it I think it sums up the tagline that they use for the movie, uh, you will believe a man can fly mm-hmm. kind of ties into just the whole feel of this movie. Because yeah, I can watch this and I can legitimately say, Yeah, Christopher Reeve, I believe I believe the man is flying. You made me believe, Richard Donner. You did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and especially as a kid seeing this. This was a treat for me. This was the kind of thing. They played it all the time on television. Uh, I was able to see it in re-releases in theaters. Eventually got it on video. This was a movie that I remember just always being there. I, even, even though Star Wars is older, I remember seeing Superman earlier than ever seeing Star Wars. My mom made me a red cape <laughs> with the S on it and everything. Uh, I, I had, uh, I had. This is really embarrassing. I had Superman underoos that I, <laughs> my, I would cry when my mom would insist that they be washed. Okay, so this was, this was a. Okay, realize I was like three. Okay, so, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I remember some of this stuff 
just so vaguely, but um, it was just kind of always there. That's my story with the movie, but, and uh, yeah. your... Uh, what your, is the movie's story? The movie's story. So we start out, okay, so it's two very different things stuck together, you know? Because mm-hmm. you have, and essentially each each part has a sort of three-act structure in it. Yeah. Two, it's almost like a 45-minute movie in three acts and a 90-minute movie in three acts yeah. and they're stuck together <laughs> and, and they have different tones and everything. It's very, it's very different. And that's one of the reasons why Superman two is so much fun. Cause it's basically in the tone of the second half of the movie all the way through, it, except where it gets a little nuts that it, that it kind of goes off the rails a bit. But we start out with, I, I actually, I really love the very, very beginning of this where it's just the curtains on the screen and it opens not to full screen, it opens to the old one three three aspect ratio, like you would see on a square in old movies from the thirties, which is when Superman was created, of course. And this kid's voice talking about the Daily Planet, and you know, I just mm-hmm. love that sort of inviting you into the world, and then just the curtains open the rest of the way to the full widescreen, and you're taken into this this into space. You're taking in taken into this world that we're going to be in for the next, you know, we have to sit in for the ride because it's two and a half hours long. Right. Um, yes. But you know, we're taking the credits just fly you out into space. And I remember that it's just this idea of distance that we are going a long, 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 long way from where we started. And the credits are pretty long themselves. <laughs> they are the credit sequence. And I remember that as a kid going, Oh my gosh, these credits last forever. It's like, are we just going to have everybody's name? <laughs> and pretty much. And what's funny, Marlon Brando and Gene it's Hackman top are top billed. How is that? Marlon well, Brando why, is in this movie for approximately five minutes. Tops. Right? And, but he was what, he and Gene Hackman were what got the funding for this movie. Yeah. That's why I figured it was. I was kind of mad when I saw that. I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. Believe me. Superman has got to be the top billing Exactly, actor. exactly. You know, Christopher Reeve, of course, uh, gets gets uh, top billing on the later films. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and Margot Kidder is, like, way down there for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, she's, like, after some of the supporting roles. You know, these are great actors. Uh you know, sort of legendary actors in a lot of these roles in this movie. You think it would be Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. Margaret Kidder, and then Gene Hackman. Yeah, exactly. And that, <laughs> that's, how I would, that's how I would do it. And that is, you know, sort of the, I think that's the billing for Superman too, as I recall. But then, you know, I mean, Ned Beatty and Jackie Cooper and Glenn Ford, I think are all listed before Margot Kidder. Yeah, and it's so bizarre. <laughs> I mean, reading the credits, you're like, because in any other movie or a, a later film, it would be one of those things where you list all the lead characters, and then at the very end, it would say "and Marlon Brando yeah. as Jor-el. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, but Marlon Brando was Marlon Brando. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and uh, he was like, "I get top billing, or I don't do your movie." Which, okay, fine, whatever, whatever. Okay, so we actually fly out all the way to Krypton. We uh, we're, we're taken right to the trial. General Zod, played by Terrence Stamp, for about uh, 30 seconds. So, and then they are banished to the Phantom Zone. Okay, that's what the that's what the pane of glass is. Okay, so I'm okay. so this is what Michelle texted me about earlier this week. She had no. She's like, what? 
is going on? What is that? And it's, <laughs> Why are people getting trapped in a flying piece of glass and then it's like never brought up again? I don't get it. I know. I a lot of this prologue, but yeah, okay. So, so here's what happens. So, so they get trapped in the Phantom Zone and they get banished off into space. That's where Superman Two comes in. Superman Two okay. is the battle of okay. So that the the Phantom Zone pane of glass thing ends up um, near Earth and they get released by a nuclear blast and okay. they fight Superman. In part two, okay. so which is pretty rad. I mean, that's the best part of the movie. That's the best stuff in the movie. And one of the other great things is that Superman uh, gives up his powers oh. in 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 part of that movie. So just before they attack, it's all it's it's sort of like a Spider-Man, you know, where he decides he's not going to be Spider-Man anymore just before the bad stuff starts happening. So. It's pretty cool. Well, now you're making me want to watch Superman two. Yeah, you know, I think Superman two, even in its, even in its, um, in in either cut, is worth watching. I think the Richard Lester cut is is good, and it's probably the one to go with, even though it has some silly and sort of strange stuff in it. If you don't see it, the Richard Donner cut doesn't make any sense. I don't think, to be honest, because uh, it because okay. it pulls in some shots that they some things that they didn't actually end up filming, so it has a screen test is one of the scenes in the movie, for example. So there's some strange things that are that are inserted into that cut because of um, they just obviously they didn't have the actors anymore able to play those roles and fit into to those those scenes. Anyway, so then uh, we go straight from there to Jarrell saying, "Hey, Council, the uh, planet's going to explode and uh, we're all going to die." And so why is the planet going to explode? I didn't get that because about the, the sun, the sun, it's either the, the orbit changed or the sun is dying. I think the sun was okay. the sun. The red sun of Krypton is dying and is going to, you know, expand and blow up and take the planet with it. Okay. But like, they literally don't say any of that in the movie. So I had to look on Wikipedia. I was like, why is he saying that the planet's going to explode? I don't get it. I think there's a sense that the mythology was known at the Not time <laughs> at the time i know i know and that, and, that, and that's the thing you know it was one of those things where and seeing it now i was like i, I could see how that could be vague yeah but for me it it's is. just like i just kind of always knew it so it was it was one of the I, I don't know it's weird um so i never questioned it but yeah so uh, to escape the planet they of course put uh their young son into a crystal ball <laughs> i mean that thing is that thing's wild. The porcupine spaceship is rad. Yes, <laughs> I, I I think that is so cool looking because I mean it's not a it's not a flying saucer, it's not a rocket, it's something completely unique. It's just like made out yeah. of crystals, and I dig that. I think that's so cool. Um, is that what the whole planet? Yeah, the whole is made out of. Yeah, the whole planet is sort of this crystal crystalline ice planet. You know? You're gonna have to forgive my stupidity. No, <laughs> I no, I mean that, I. It's, some of it is just sort of guesses on my part, too, because I've never okay. really read the comic books. Yeah, so um, Jor-El, who is Marlon Brando, uh, puts puts his kid into that spacecraft and uh, flies Spends him off him toward to Earth. Earth, and then the then the planet explodes, and and he's he's off towards Earth, and um, he spends like three years, four years inside yep. of this inside of this thing on the traveling to Earth and he's hearing all of the secrets of the universe put into his 
into his head as he, and that's one of the things that's kind of cool okay superman at least in this version is not just physical strength it's also really really intelligent yeah you know i think that's supposed to be the the way it is with the other films too but it's never really put into i mean I, i'm talking about like later versions of it like uh the brian singer film or the man of steel and all that stuff it's not it's focused much more on on his brawn there's the brains are, yeah. are not a big part of it even though i mean there i don't think he's intended to be stupid or something like that in those in any other version it's just i think there's more focus on it in this one which i don't know i like that i like that there's there's an intellectual nature to it um and then this was the thing that i remember this was the earliest memory i have of a movie that i can think of is the moment where after the ship crash lands into earth the older couple the kents this see the ship they find this child you know it's like okay we're gonna get you home and then he's changing the tire jonathan kent is changing the tire on his truck and the jack gives out and it almost and the truck would have fallen on him and killed him but then the kid that but it stops and, and and it goes to the kid lifting up the truck that is the earliest thing i remember from a movie in my life really yeah so that I, that's part of what what I thought was so cool. It's like, oh, a little kid, you know, a weak little <laughs> kid, just like me, lifting a truck over his head. That's cool. You know, <laughs> I yeah. loved that, you know, as, okay. Seeing this when I'm somewhere in the age range of the kid in the movie, that was, that, that was a special moment. Made you feel like you could be Superman. Made me feel like I could be Superman clearly. And so, you know, <laughs> that's why, you know, mom made the cape. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was a big thing it was a big thing and then we uh, fast forward to uh, the high school years he's taken on the name of clark kent posing as an awkward teenager he thinks he is just an awkward teenager he doesn't appear to have any memory of his travels from krypton at all he doesn't really know the truth of it all he's awkward around girls and he knows he has these abilities but he's like trying to hide it from people yeah i think it's part of it is because you know jonathan kent is like you know you can't if you make yourself known they're gonna take you away from us one thing i kind of liked about that part though is clark was kind of defending himself he was saying it's not, it's not showing off to, to say that i can do this it's not showing off to show that you're good at something right is it it's just being good at something, which I, I kind of liked. Yeah, I, I did. Because that can too. be applied to different things in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Most It's not a bad thing to say, hey, I'm good at this. Exactly. Most definitely. And and for him to have to sort of hide his confidence is sort of a, it's, it's sort of a semi-tragic thing here, you know? Mm -hmm. There's some cool moments, like when he kicks the football, you know, halfway, <laughs> you know, all the way across, you know, farther, obviously, than any human could, and then... And then he, um, they show him running, and he's running faster than the train. Yeah, that that special effect has—it's a terrible effect. Not particularly aged well. Um, he was on a crane. There was a there was a crane that was suspending him from wires above the ground while he was doing that. Oh, and he was just running in the air. Yeah, that's why it looks so weird. Okay, it's very weird looking. It's it's it is what it is. You know, obviously, yeah, it's the 1970s, so everything has to be practical. Um, they did what they could. They did what they could. So uh, anyway, uh, it's soon after that we, when uh, Jonathan Kent dies, um, that sort of normal mythic storytelling where the mentor 
uh, has to die or leave the hero alone. And I like the scene at the graveyard because it shows sort of this, you know, there's an emotional vulnerability there. You know, he can be hurt because of his connections to people. It's, it's not an invulnerability thing. His biggest regret is that, you know, I mean, obviously, okay, so Jonathan has a heart attack and he's like, I couldn't save him. Well, no one could have. No. I mean, your physical strength cannot save someone from having a heart attack. There's nothing about the abilities of Superman that could stop that. To me, that's a really powerful moment. It's short, but it's but it's sincere. And I think that's one of the things that works. Why the first part of the movie works for me is because there's a fair amount of sincerity involved. And so then he heads off to the North Pole, <laughs> or apparently, um, and he finds a, a crystal, before that, a crystal calls to him from his childhood uh, ship, um, from the barn, which has been buried in the barn. Uh, he heads off, and he takes this crystal with him to the North Pole. He throws it, and it creates the Fortress of Solitude. All right. Yeah, cool. Uh, so that's, that's uh, this, and he spends 12 years there learning from essentially the memory, sort of a data download uh, of his father. Basically everything he could possibly know, everything he could possibly learn in 12 years. He learns, um, and he's given certain things that he's not supposed to do. And this, The important one is you're forbidden to interfere with human history. And then he says this, they can be a great people. They want to be. And I like that, that whole they want to be. Thing. I sent them you to be a light to show them the way. So essentially, this is uh, the Jesus story. <laughs> okay, uh, this is this is, uh, is Jor El is God and 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 Kal El is Jesus. Okay, all right, we get it. Um, and it's not banged over the head over your head in this movie like it is in some of the later versions, because there was I, I think it was Superman Returns, which was the one that um, Brandon Routh was in. Which is a good movie. I like it. But it has him so often hanging up in the air with his arms outstretched. And it's like, okay. oh my gosh, we get it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was, uh, so this movie doesn't, it, it has the metaphor, but it doesn't bang you over the head. I literally did not get that at that's, all. <laughs> that's okay. And you don't have to. That's the thing. But I see it. You don't, you, and that's the thing about it. And that's the thing about a good subtext or metaphor is that it shouldn't be so obvious that it takes you out of the movie. And I, I think that's that's one of the things I like about it. Okay, so that's the end of the first half of the movie. We see him fly for the first time. Yeah. Then, then we get into the good part. Then we get into, and I, you know what? You know what? I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I like the first half of the movie, but it is very, it's sort of a typical movie. It's very, it's a little bit stuffy in the first yeah. half. I admit it was, I was really thinking I was not going to like this watching the whole prologue origin yeah. story because it just, it went on so long. I was like, where's the, where's the fun stuff? And it was definitely things that I needed to know, like as someone who doesn't know anything about Superman, like getting his origins stuff like that was important for me. But yeah, it's definitely more fun once uh, Christopher Reeve shows up and yeah. gets into the more modern story. And it becomes much less about plot. It becomes much more about the character interactions. 
in a lot of ways. I mean, there there is a there's sort of this through line of plot based on Lex Luthor's um, scheme, but mm-hmm. but it's not vital. I mean, it's it's well, it's vital because it propels the story forward, but it's not necessarily what the whole thing is about. What I think it's about is what I love about it is just Christopher Reeve, and and I've said this before in various platforms. What did the world ever do to deserve him as Superman? Because he is fantastic, incredible in this movie, and in all of them, even in four, even in four, where where the movie itself is kind of crappy, he is great. He's perfect as like the bumbling Clark Kent. Yes, so funny, just amazing comedic delivery. You know what? There's actually a connection between our two movies. Did you notice that? Uh, I don't think I did. Between Mask and Superman, Peter Bogdanovich and Christopher Reeve. Oh, of course. Noises off. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Where he kind of plays a similar character, right? He like, does. He does. So funny. He's playing he's so a, good in that. You're, 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 you make a, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, man, I just watched, okay. When I was growing up, Christopher Reeve was one of those guys where it was like, I didn't know him as anything else. Um, Superman? Yeah. So it was sort of like, for me, it was weird because I had in later in life, I would get in my head, you know, like. You get these weird ideas, like um, Orson Welles only made Citizen Kane, and Peter Bogdanovich only made uh, The Last Picture Show, and stuff that's totally untrue. Not only did they right. make other movies, they made other great movies, some that were even better than those. And I had that sort of mentality about Christopher Reed. He did Superman, but he didn't do anything else that was good. Then I saw Noises Off, and then I saw Death Trap. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy was brilliant. He was brilliant as an actor. If you've never seen mm-hmm. Noises Off, go out and watch it yes. right the fuck now. Yeah. It is like one of the funniest movies you will ever see in your life. And so brilliant in terms of comedic timing from everybody. Uh, it just, it blew my mind when I first saw it. It still does. Yeah, I, I hear it. This is tongue in cheek that I'm saying this, but I hear it's the... Uh, one cut of the dead. Of... <laughs> Have you ever heard people uh, give that comparison? It's like one cut of the dead is the noises off of horror. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Noises off is the, is the one cut of the dead of stage shows. So, yeah. but I'm bummed. Anyway, uh, moving on. So yeah. And he plays the character of Clark Kent is how we are first introduced to him as in the, in the role. And Clark Kent is, is clumsy and silly and you know there's always this joke it's like how would people not know that clark kent is superman i mean he's just wearing glasses right yeah he carries himself completely different and i imagine if you knew clark kent if you were like lois lane and jimmy olsen and Perry White in the newsroom, and you saw Clark Kent bumbling over, you know, tripping over everything and, and being awkward and all this stuff. He is the... But still smart. But still smart, and the fastest typist I've ever seen, according to yes. Perry White. It's believable, it's plausible that they would say, no, no way. They would never think he could yeah. be Yeah, that they Superman. would never draw that, that conclusion. And that is the brilliance of Christopher Reeve in that role. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think anyone other character, other actors have played Superman very well. Very few have been able to do Clark Kent even close to that. Well, 
Um, so, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, he's perfect. He he's he's. You just wonderful. you fall in love with him right away. He's so freaking adorable, and then as Superman, he's the same way because he's still got he still has humor. Uh-huh. And he's just a little bit more confident, yeah. but he's got a twinkle uh, in his eye. Yes. He's you, you can understand why people why, why Lois is just so sort of smitten. <laughs> you know? He's not cocky. No. He could just be a regular dude who happens to fly and be super strong and can <laughs> has x ray vision. Yeah. I can see what color underwear you're wearing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, she asked. She asked. <laughs> so she did ask. <laughs> so. Well then, uh, is it true that uh, you can see through anything? Uh, yes, I can. Oh, well, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that you're. Um, Totally impervious to pain. Well, so far. What color underwear am I wearing? Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I embarrassed you, didn't I? Oh, no. I did. No, 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 not at all, Miss Lane. It's just that this platter must be made of lead. Uh, yes, it is, so? Oh, you see, I, uh, I sort of have a problem seeing through lead. Oh, that's interesting. Problems in first name. Hmm. Uh, d- uh, do you have a first name? What do you mean, like, uh, Ralph or something? No, no, I mean, like, uh... Pink. Huh? Pink. It's, it's all very, it's, he's, he's very, he's a, he's a, he's a, it's gonna sound ridiculous, he's a true gentleman yeah. in, in, in the role, even though he could be something that is sort of a caricature of that. He's not. I mean, and, and there's... He's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. you believe him. And you, and, and I buy the apple pie image thing, you know, as yes. well, because of the way Reed plays it. It doesn't come across as corny or sappy. It's just authentic. That's what, I mean, to me, Christopher Reeve is Superman and no one else will ever come close. I'm sorry. <laughs> and and that's no disrespect for the other people who have played it because I think that many others have done a good job. There's just no, and for me, Lois Lane, Margot Kidder as Lois Lane is She's so yeah. perfect. She's, she's beautiful she's got that plucky sort of thing going on she's funny she's very funny she's very smart she's sharp she's in charge yeah she's she's a howard hawks 30s gal i see it yeah yeah and and that's one of the things that's Gumption. so great about it she's she's his girl friday uh yeah. and that sort of thing and the delivery is that sort of yes when, exactly especially with clark because because she's like she she doesn't really think anything of Clark. She thinks ah oh, he's a nice guy. But you know, and then when she's around Superman, she's like uh-huh. she's she's just she just kind of melts around him. She does, and and she's she turns into sort of this flustered little you know this flustered person without it's not degrading to her character. I don't think either though. And again, I think that's just the balance uh, that Margot Kidder brings to the role that they really thought these things through. And really... Yeah, like he was kind of her match. Yes. In a way. Yes. So there's there's just this, this beautiful setup, you know, where you see Clark as the bumbling guy. But you know underneath, because he, he catches a bullet in his hand, for example, while she can't see. and uh, Knows the contents the, of her purse. Exactly. All that stuff. Not looking in it, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just sort of, it's easing you into the Superman thing. And then we have the big... Well, actually, even before that, we're introduced just very quickly to uh, Lex Luthor 
uh, played by uh, the one Can we talk about Lex Luthor? Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah, this is just a quick scene. Uh, so it's it's uh, Ned Beatty uh, plays Otis, and then you have uh, m- uh, Miss Teschmeyer, played by Teschmacher. Teschmacher, thank you very much, Valerie Perrin. Okay, so these three are the greatest evil trio I have ever seen in my life. I yeah. adored them. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's, and again, it's funny. It's really funny. It's not degrading to Every time to Ned Beggy said something stupid and Gene Hackman just kind of was like, <sighs> yeah. <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> I died because they are so perfect together. He brings him his robe standing in the pool and stuff <laughs> like that. Oh man. And, and okay. Lex Luthor's lair. I tweeted about this yes. while I was watching it. <laughs> Lex Luthor has the... Fucking best layer I have ever seen. It's it's better than like any I, James Bond villain layer. It is awesome. <laughs> I want to live there so bad. <laughs> you know, it's sort of this subway thing. You know, cleared out the condemned, tunnels of the subway and yeah. the pool and the, the. He's made a pool in like a condemned <laughs> subway, and they have a little beach set up with lamps <laughs> for her to lay under. It's fantastic. I want to live there. I would go there right now. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, this this wonderful introduction to them. Not long after that, I should say. They they go into what his scheme is. And his scheme is to uh, buy up a bunch of desert land in California that's right. worthless. Okay. And just, just... Okay, let me see if I can try this. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> let me try and explain since I... So you're doing all that. No, let's see if I got it. Okay, do it. Do it. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he wants to buy up all this desert land, and he's also going to change the launch uh, locations for nuclear missiles to land on the San Andreas Fault, mm-hmm. cause California or that part of section of California to break away so that he can then, the land that is left over will be his and it can be like it's all beachfront popular yeah yes yeah (laughs) did i get it right you got it right (laughs) okay you're right on okay so maybe it's just because of the the nature of the world we live in but this viewing luthor came across to me as very trumpian (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so so we should probably say okay so we we are recording this in uh the middle of november and, and we are currently watching uh, Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and a few others have um, sort of a major meltdown. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, like, like literally. So um, that's where our heads are at. And I'm not to get too political. Sometimes it's just the nature of talking about movies is to get a little yes. political. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think just because where my head was at, I was like, okay, so you have a megalob megalomaniacal that's a hard word to say character real estate person wanting to destroy the country for his own gain yes the biggest difference between to put his name on everything to put his name and my favorite part otisburg 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 (laughs) i want to you know that that is where if i if i had to live in uh lex luther's california i want to live in otisburg Okay, back on it. So uh, the the biggest difference between Lex Luthor and Donald Trump is Lex Luthor is actually a genius. So yes. we have. Um, sorry, I I apologize <laughs> to if I if I put anyone off by saying that, but 
it's just where we're at right now, I think. So after we get after we've been introduced to Lex Luthor, we head into the first really big action set piece of the movie, and that's the helicopter rescue, helicopter which is still, after all these years, 42 years, pretty harrowing. It's an intense thing, I think, still. Um, you didn't do it for you? It didn't do it for you. I'm, uh, okay. Dude, her death is way worse. Well, that's later. I know. Yeah, but I mean, for a first big action sequence. Okay, Superman has to prove himself, essentially, in this scene. He has to prove that he can do something ultra-heroic, right? The helicopter... And he has to reveal himself for the he, first time. He does. He does. And so he... Um, and it's a pretty big sequence to do that. It has <clears throat> sort of a funny... has a cool little in-joke because classically, you know, Superman would change in a phone booth. Oh yeah, I like that part yeah. when he like walks by the phone booth. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's of... a it, instead of it being an actual booth, it's just like yeah, one it's, of those little open kiosk thing. And yeah. so and now it'd be even funnier probably because I mean there are no phone booths anywhere, you know, even yeah. those kind. So after he saves, so he goes the revolving door. The revolving door trick. I, I remember that one being really cool. Uh, it has the first iconic scene where where he actually just pulls open his shirt and there's the Superman uh, uh, logo underneath. And yeah, I really, I, I still love that scene. I still love it. And Which, okay, I have a, I have a comic book question. Sure, go ahead. If it's if his family is the house of L, why is the Superman logo an S? <laughs> I don't know. Their last name, I guess their last name or whatever is L, like E-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. I, yeah, I don't know. See, I, as I understand, the way they explained it, it's like a family crest thing. Yeah. The way they explained But why is it an S? I, well, the, okay. But the thing is, it's not necessarily your, a family crest isn't necessarily your name. It's what, it's what, it's the meaning. It's, you know, what, what is your house all about, you know? In the uh, Man of Steel, they say that in Kryptonian, that symbol stands for hope. Okay. Yeah. See, that's I'm just asking. That's something. No, hey, it's not a comic book person. The thing is, I'm I'm not really a comic. Okay, we all know what the S stands for. The S stands for Superman because yeah. that's what they drew on on the guy in the in the 30s uh, before any of. I mean, the first Superman comics was it was not an origin story. It was okay. you know a, a bulletproof man saving people from things um so it was so they just had to retcon what that meant yeah yeah exactly okay exactly and so um all of the mythology krypton and all that stuff that came a lot later okay so as i understand it it's an interesting just asking no it's good sorry no there's no need to be sorry i mean honestly i don't know (laughs) for sure either you know I, i i know the movie but i don't know a lot of the comic book stuff okay so after he saves lois we have sort of this big montage of him just saving a bunch of people and that's sort of the end of the first act of this part okay but can we talk about that one part okay one of the people that he saves or um he saves a cat out of a tree right yeah i love that part i'm sorry (laughs) i love that it's cute it's cute but then what is with the part right after that where she goes inside to tell her mom like hey this guy just got the cat out of the tree and you can hear the mom being like, stop telling lies. And you can hear her smack her. I was like, oh my God. 
<laughs> that's that whole uh, verisimilitude thing, I guess. I don't know. I mean, this whole smack thing is a little over the top, isn't it? That was um, horrible. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, I can understand the the stop telling lies or whatever thing, but the smack is a little bit <laughs> is a little bit uh, yikes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So then we have Lois Lane gets an interview with Superman, and we have the flying scene, famous flying scene, where she uh, clearly okay. So the 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 theme song. Can You Read My Mind was written by the great John Williams. The music for this is some of is one of his best scores, I think. That opening sequence, the opening theme over the credits is so strong. And I mean it's just to me it's as strong as the Star Wars or Indiana Jones themes. It just kind of hits you. And sort of the Can You Read My Mind theme with da 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 sorry is what's played during this and that's sort of the love theme now the part that i hate about this this section of the movie is when she recites the poem okay yeah that's what that was my thing yeah because that is the lyrics to the song okay that, is that the makes a lot more sense because i was like what the hell is happening it just sounds like a bad poem yeah you know and and you're just like if you if you and there was never an artist to my knowledge whoever performed that as a song all it is is the John Williams theme and her saying the lyrics to the song over the top of it. It's just kind of like this so is so out of place. It, it, it's so weird. It it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at it, all. Yeah, I. It's one of those scenes where it's kind of like uh, I like the scene as a whole, but I hate that part of it. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's sort of that wonderment yeah. of flying and stuff. I think is really cool, but ugh, yikes. <laughs> However, the end of the scene, the end of the scene, one of the things that is so great, and I could kind of see the scenes in it this time, but I'd never really seen them before, is when Superman drops her off, flies off into the night, and it stays in one continuous shot, and she goes and she answers the door, and Clark's there. That is a great moment. You know, now I can kind of see the blue screen and the matte lines a little bit, probably because of HD, to be honest. I don't know if that would have shown up so much in a uh, in, in a theatrical presentation um to be honest because i don't remember that but it's just a great moment it's this it's this yeah he could be it just takes away away more of that suspicion that clark kent is superman right yeah and it, it's it's one of those beautiful moments and then then as soon as she's she's sort of in this love trance and she answers the door and sees him and goes oh hi clark you know <laughs> it's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and he comes in and he bumbles in and, and, you know, then he takes off his glasses while she's in the other room for a moment. And he stands up straight and he's like, Lois, I have something to tell you. And she comes out. What's that, Clark? And he quickly puts his glasses back on. It's like, oh, we're going to we're going we're gonna to be late. We better go. You know, that whole thing. And I and you could see in that moment, again, that whole idea of his approach to the two characters being mm-hmm. so different from each other. Then we uh, head over to Lex Luthor's lair again, and we discover that he has figured out that fragments from the planet Krypton that have come to Earth could conceivably kill Superman. So we are introduced to Kryptonite. Kryptonite. Yes. So um, they end up steal. They, they kind of go really quick during this. During yeah. the, uh, you can you can tell how how plot to me during this part seems less important to Donner than the characters to me. 
Yeah. That's that's what I see here, you know, because he just flies through this. Oh yeah, this meteorite was stolen, and uh, we're gonna go and we we're, we've hijacked these nuclear missiles. Okay, that's <laughs> which done. they Let's have move to on. do twice, which I thought was hilarious. Exactly. Because yeah. the first time Otis puts in the wrong coordinates. <laughs> right, right. So all of a sudden we have Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen in California, and he's he's in Metropolis still, and it's like, where is she? Oh, they just went out there. It's like. Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's very quick. Yeah. Uh, so this this third act of, of the final section is where the movie is okay for me, you know, to be honest. Um, because to me, the first two acts of that second section are so strong that um, this is where we go the farthest into sort of silly land for me. I liked this um, part the most, actually. You, this is your favorite part? Oh, Honestly, no, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Honestly, it was super fun but, to watch them. Like I said, I love the the trio so much, them like bumbling around. And yeah. the fact that Luthor is a genius, <laughs> he's super smart, mm-hmm. but he's got these two people working for him. It just makes such for such a fun dynamic. You know, like I said, when they have to yeah. go in and uh, Eve has to put in the, the cordons this time because Otis messed it up. And <laughs> right. I just I I love their their interaction is probably just my favorite thing. I wanted to watch more of them. A meteorite found in Addis Ababa. Uh, I know I'm going to get wrapped in the mouth for this, but so what? So what? You you mean to us they are just meteorites? Fair enough. But the level of specific radioactivity is so high to anyone from the planet Krypton, this substance is lethal. Wait a minute, Miss Luthor. You mean firing bullets can't hurt this guy, but this stuff here will we'll kill, kill him. him. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it give you a kind of a, a, a shudder of electricity through you to be in the same room with me? <laughs> I do love that. I do love that. The interaction between them. I think I was thinking more of some of the rescue sequences and stuff get a little bit like, okay. <laughs> um, like where he's flying underground stuff like that. Oh, right. Yeah. A little crazy. But I do really like the part where Luthor, he tells him, okay, so he, he sends he sends the, the missiles in two different directions. One is heading to California to break off the fault. And the other one's heading to Hackensack, New Jersey, where Miss Teschmacher's mother lives. Yeah. And, and, and he says, but what about my mother? Uh, can't she get out in time? And he just Luther just looks at his watch and shakes his head. Nope. And in that moment, she's like, oh my gosh, he doesn't care. You about son me. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very much of the, this, this, like, he doesn't actually give a shit. Nope. What? How she didn't know that before. I don't know. But I know. Whatever. I know. <laughs> but, uh, but you get, you get, you get blinders on yeah. when you, when you care about someone, I think, or, 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 are. um, I think mostly she's just, yeah, she's someone. mostly like strangely enamored with him for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And just likes to be around him. Exactly. Um, I which, guess it's just that thing of like being around power, maybe even if you don't feel like you yes. have it yourself. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's very, and it, and it's, it's an interesting dynamic because Luthor's power is of a certain brand. Um, and he's very, and it's obviously used in a negative way. Uh, it's used to control people. Superman has a far greater power, but he uses it, in a way that is in humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses it to help people. And, you know, it's it's sort of this sense of, you know, 
how they each of them uses this power is, is interesting. Um, and, and I like that about um, another thing I like about this movie. <laughs> Luther tricks uh, Superman to, to be exposed to kryptonite, essentially. Uh, by putting, he can't see his X-ray vision can't see very well through lead, so he puts the kryptonite in the lead box, um, and eventually gets kryptonite around his neck, throws it in the pool. He begins to plead with Miss Tech. I'm saying her name wrong every time. Teshmacher to help him, and she says, "Will you save my mother first? You have to promise you save my mother first. He's like, if I'm gonna, if I can save one or the other, I'm gonna save Lois, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, I can't. But he, he, he can't lie. He can't lie. Yeah, it's not that he can't. He's like, he won't. He, it, it's, it's, it's more of a. To me, it, it feels more like a he won't lie than a he can't. That's not one of his um, things. It's not like a liar liar thing where he can't. Right. Okay. Exactly. I thought that's what, I thought like, that maybe that was one of his. No, I, I really don't think it is. I personally, that's my interpretation anyway. That it's a, that it's, he's, he's just, That's just unless, his character. except for the, yeah, it's his character. Okay. It's, it's that he's so averse to it that he won't do it. Okay. You know, that's, that's my interpretation of it. To have that kind of goodness in a, in a human is sort of like, that'd be nice, you know. Very rare. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he agrees and she kisses him and that's a cute little moment. It's like, <laughs> so. why'd you kiss me? Because I knew you wouldn't after I took off the kryptonite. <laughs> You know, that whole thing. Um, so he stops the, the missile from New Jersey first, uh, as he promised. Then he books it <laughs> over to uh, to California, and he doesn't get there in time. Yep. And it starts the earthquake, and uh, the dam breaks, and Lois Lane dies. The end. <laughs> no. Um, actually... Actually, uh, this whole sequence, this whole California sequence, as I understand it, um, was originally going to be on the end of Superman 2. So the whole earthquake, Lois's death, and then what he does, which is, of course, reverse time, <laughs> which is, it's, it makes no logical sense that... Turning the Earth on its axis the wrong way will will reverse time. Which I might have been more flabbergasted at that before, but I actually knew that that's how he saves her yeah. at the end of the movie before I yeah. watched it. But yeah, I think if I yeah. hadn't known that, I would have been like, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. It doesn't make that's any not, logical sense. That's not you how just this works. Go that's not how it. any of this works. <laughs> and the fact that he's able that that things don't just start happening the same way again when the earth goes back the other way is another thing that's sort of like is a little weird but you know there's some great sequences in there like saving the bus mm-hmm. uh like uh the train you know lying lying across the, the, the train thing track and holding the train up i love that part um that's that's great stuff so uh, obviously he's, he's able to to sort of He's able to reverse time, save Lois, save Jimmy, save the town, save everybody. Yay, yay, yay. Lois' um, death, though, is... That's freaking horrible way to die. It is. It is. I, that would have, like I said, buried. that would have crushed me a lot more had I not known that he was yeah. going to save her. Because I was yeah. like, that's that's horrible. Like Because her car like mm-hmm. falls into the fault when the, yeah. when the earthquake makes the, the road open up. And then all the dirt comes piling in on top of her. And she basically suffocates in her car yeah. from dirt and that 
Uh, and you really, really feel his pain. Yeah. I mean, because that whole thing where he just screams and it does sort of like that, the camera does that whole echo thing, you know, yeah. that could be so corny. But it works because of the performances again. Yeah, they've already established that Yeah, this is how he feels about her. So, yeah, that didn't yeah. see that as corny at all, no. Yeah, and then he just, he just you know, takes off and he knows what, and he, he's... he's He's faced with sort of these images of his father saying, it is forbidden for you to mess with human history. You can't do this. Stop. It's like, he's like, I I don't care. I don't care at this point. But then his other father says that maybe he was put here for a reason. Exactly. And that reason was to save Lois, which I don't know if that was, (laughs) I don't know if that's actually true, that his whole reason for being here was to save one person, but it's enough for him to actually do it and to, to break that mm-hmm. rule and and you believe it and you're you're fine with it you know yeah exactly save Lois and, and um, still have the courage to or not be broken by her mm-hmm. death because maybe if she had actually died and he hadn't been able to save her like maybe he wouldn't be the Superman that he comes later on he would have been too broken by that he wouldn't go on to yeah save all these other people you know what I mean and that and that's a different kind of superhero. Yeah. Than this one is because that that's in I mean that's that's the Dark Knight right you know where you know he's so broken by the death of uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal that he uh, that he stops being Batman for ten years or whatever you know uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a different yeah, yeah it's a very different and... type of movie yeah. exactly and and that's that's one of the things that I think I fundamentally love about especially this version of Superman is this a very hopeful yes. kind of story. I mean, there's, and the thing is, you know, truth, justice and the American way, all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come across as super corny. No, it doesn't. It comes across as like, it's as earnest and uh, authentic and, and just, and, and fun, you know, and that's one of the things that this movie has in spades is a lot of fun to it. A lot of modern comic book movies take themselves extremely seriously. Which is okay. I mean, that works. I, I like the Dark Knight trilogy, for example, uh, especially the first two. But that's a different kind of movie yeah. for a different time. And in 1978, I think people were just kind of weary of, you know, decades of bad news. This is the kind of movie that we need now. <laughs> yes, it is. And I could so totally see this is the kind of movie where, because 77 or 75, you get Jaws, which is still a little dark. Uh, then you get Star Wars in 77. Everything ends up good. You have a movie like Superman in 78. It's like just this longing for something hope and uh, something of hope and something of good news, you know. I think it's probably a ripe time for another movie like this that really has an optimistic view of things. Yeah, I was really happy to watch this right now, you know, when we're in such a weird time in our lives and in the mm-hmm. world. Um, it totally worked for me, I think, just because of that. Like, yes, the whole thing with Superman, truth, justice, the American way, and he's wearing red and blue. But <laughs> yeah, it was Christopher Reeve and the way he, he plays it. And he's so lovable. And like you said, earnest, I think, is kind of his main character trait that really makes that you want to go along with him for that. Like, you believe him. He's yes. not he's not bullshitting. He's that's. That's who he is. Absolutely. And you love him absolutely. for it. We absolutely do. So I'm really glad that you liked it. Oh, I, I was actually very, 
I was very, very relieved because <laughs> I thought, oh, man. I wasn't so I, into I'm it forced... through the origin story. Which I get. Um, yeah, once the, the more modern story started, uh, it, it actually flew by really fast. I didn't feel the two yeah. and a half hours at all, even even though the beginning yeah. is kind of a slog a little bit. No, like mm-hmm. it just it went and I was like, so enjoying all the performances and it just being really funny. Like I said, I wasn't expecting it to be funny. I'm not sure what I was expecting because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this. But uh, yeah, it yeah. completely surprised me with that and made it so much more enjoyable. Well, I'm so I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, you, uh, who knows, you might like Superman, too. Uh, I wouldn't recommend three or four to be honest. <laughs> okay. uh, if you're not a if you're not a fan, but uh, two uh, is really good. And, and you know, hey, you get to find out what this whole general Zod. I need to uh, know about the flying piece of glass with people trapped inside yeah. of it. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about two is you get a lot of interaction between Reed and Kidder. So it's it's just it's a lot of it is 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 Clark Kent and right. Lois Lane, and it's. Which is a lot of fun. Anyway. Which is what I wanted more of. So that, that could be good. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, we're shifting gear. And this could not be a weirder double feature <laughs> than, than, uh, than Superman and Mask. Um, Just like last week, had, they're totally different oh, yeah. from each other. Yeah. Totally different. This movie, I saw very young. I saw it on video when it, not long after it came out. I think my parents had watched it the night before and thought it was okay for us to see. But it's a bit, that's the only time. I can't believe that because I remember watching yeah. this so much. Maybe not just on video, but I remember it being on TV a lot. Like another one of those movies that every time it was on, I had to watch it because it was yeah. so good. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, The Ask from 1985 is based on the real-life story of Rocky Dennis, a kid who only lived to be 16 years old. Um, he had, I'm not even going to try to pronounce what he no, had I, is I, some kind of mm-hmm. rare disorder um, that causes the calcium to build up in his skull, his brain causing disfigurement of the face and a lot of headaches. And the, uh, I think the real life Rocky, he had eyesight problems. He couldn't read. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the life expectancy is not so good on something like that. Um, and the story is also about his mom, Rusty. Um, Rocky Dennis is played by uh, Eric Stoltz, amazingly, in this movie. And his mother, Rusty, is played by Cher. And, yeah, like we were talking about, it's not so much a, a plot movie. This is very much a character piece about the yeah, two of them very, and, yeah. and their lives together. It's a very episodic yes. film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a year in the life yeah. of, of these characters. And that's... That's kind of a cool approach to it. I thought um, so too. Yeah, and and obviously not all of these things necessarily happened in this 16th year of his life, um, but the core of the story is very yeah. true. I mean, all these things happened, just not necessarily. I don't know if everything happened. Um, the yeah. real Rusty kind of described the movie as a fairy tale. She said, "Okay." In quotes. So I think the basics were there about uh, him and her and their motorcycle family. But maybe yeah. everything else. I don't know about him going to the summer camp or right. any of the other yeah, stuff. That, I don't know if that actually point. happened. Mm-hmm. But um, she did say that it was a very real portrayal, at least, of the two of them and of her. And, and she yeah. loved Cher's uh, portrayal of her, which I think is great because she absolutely deserves it. Because I love Cher in this movie so much. Oh, we're running a little bit late, so could you uh, move it along? 
This is a public junior high school, Miss Dennis. There are special schools with wonderful facilities that might be more appropriate for his needs. Do you teach algebra and biology and English here? <laughs> of course. Those are his needs. Perhaps I should speak to the boy's father. Perhaps you should speak to the Pope, too. He'd be a lot easier to find. Under the circumstances, I do feel that for the good of my students, as well as your son, I'm going to need some additional information. Look, Mr. Sims, you know what? Don't jerk me around. I'm not in the mood. I've had a real crappy day so far. First, I find out that we're in the wrong goddamn school district. I got to come down here and play pussyfoot with you. This is a copy of our lease. This is a copy of Rocky's birth certificate. And this is his last report card from Stevens Junior High School, where he was in the top 5% of his class. And I got some additional information for you. Uh, my lawyer's name is B.D. Higgins, and he's told me of my rights. If you give me any shit at all, he's going to drag your ass into court. And she was nominated yes. for Golden Globe for Best Actress. Should have yeah. won, gotta say. And the weird thing, too, I also noticed that um, Eric Stoltz was nominated for Golden Globe, too, for Supporting Actor. Which uh, that's is kind of so odd weird. for me. Because he's not a supporting role. It's a starring role. Yeah, it's, again, sort of that that out of order credits that you had on Superman, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think there's so much out of order on the, <clears throat> on the screen at the beginning of this film, but, but that is definitely the case, uh, uh, as far as nominations go. So often they'll, they will, even if a young actor is in a leading role, they'll be nominated in uh, supporting roles. I mean, like another Bogdanovich movie is uh, paper moon and you have, Oh gosh, why why am I forgetting Tatum her name? Tatum O'Neill. Uh, she won an Oscar for the role, but as supporting right. actress. And the thing is, that is a leading role. Yes. In that movie, I mean, she is in almost every moment of that movie, giving a brilliant performance along with her dad in that movie. Yes, I love and, that movie so much. I just saw that for the first time not too long ago. Yeah, and fell in love with it. Ugh. I, I literally had seen it, I think, weeks before you oh, talked yeah? about it. Yeah, I mean, it was very recent. It just gets you, doesn't uh, it? Uh, so does yeah, this one, and, too. And, and I have just only recently really discovered uh, Peter Bogdanovich as a director. Me too. And I had seen Last Picture Show a few years before, thought it was great. Saw it again and thought, oh my gosh, this is a masterpiece. Paper Moon is wonderful. And then seeing Mask again... And noises off. It was like, oh my goodness, this guy really hits a lot of my sweet spots. Yeah, yeah, just just a just a wonderful thing. And speaking of sweet spots, right off the bat in this movie, because like I said, I, and and seeing it in this version, this was we yeah. <laughs> both watched it on the DVD, which is really the only way it's available at all now. Yeah, and it's out of print, as I understand. Oh, it is. Okay. If it's not, I bought it I, like last year somewhere. Oh, you did. So maybe maybe it is. Maybe it is still available on on, on DVD in print. Uh, if that's the case, um, definitely, yeah. folks, go out and check it out. Yes. Because it's worth it, and I'm gonna get it myself. But if you watched um, it on TV like I did, it is mm -hmm. not probably not the version you remember. It's the director's yeah. cut, which. Includes yes. some extra music and two extra scenes. Yeah. One of those scenes is extremely important to the final film, yes. I believe, as well. And it's bizarre to me that it was cut out of the original. And I, I don't... I, there's an interview with Peter Bogdanovich on the DVD that explains some of the reasons, but he doesn't go deep into any of them. <laughs> uh, because I think there were a lot of uh, 
sort of political things going on with the studio that prevented that cut from being screened after the first one. And one of the things was the music. Yes. Um, Bruce Springsteen, who I'm a... Okay, Bruce Springsteen is my favorite artist. <laughs> so when when this movie started out playing Badlands, I was like, okay, I'm in. Right? I am in. And so one of the things that was interesting about that is... Um, when it was released in theaters after the preview, first of all, Springsteen was very happy with the way the music was used in the film. He was really wanted to have his music involved in the movie. But for some reason, Columbia and Universal couldn't get it together, and so the music was removed. Thankfully for this release, um, the boss got... He's according to Bogdanovich, he made Universal an offer they couldn't refuse, and they put his music back in. And for it to end, to begin with Badlands and end with Promised Land, I mean, this is perfect bookends right. to this movie. I know. I mean, and I'm, I'm kind of getting chills. I mean, the whole the whole movie because has a great I'm geeking out soundtrack a anyway. The whole soundtrack yeah. is incredible. One of the things that I really loved about this movie is that you don't have. You don't have a TV on all the time in the background. You're in their house a lot. Yeah. Where they're just playing and music because they're, they're doing always housework. playing music. Yeah. Always playing music. Constantly. Yeah. And so many good songs. Yeah. I mean these 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 are sort of It kind of puts you song- in the time period too. It does. And it's it's uh the late uh, I guess it's around it's 1979, 1980. Um yeah, he died in 78. Okay. Yeah. So that's what um this is taking place in and um honestly the the music that is in this it's kind of hits my sweet spot mm-hmm. sort of that classic rock stuff e- even though it's really that. my it's even though it's really my parents music it's the music that they would grow up contemporary with you know listening to it's the stuff that i've gravitated towards over the past 20 years oh no that's my favorite stuff 70s rock that's that's all me love it man so i knew there was a reason we (laughs) we, uh we connected on doing this thing oh yeah um yeah so that's awesome um that and so i just the music in this is so key for so so i'm so glad this version exists yeah i have to say makes it so much better Um, so even though um, i can't really remember what it was like when i would watch it on tv i do mm -hmm. remember the music but i don't remember it being as much as this. So, yeah, I can definitely feel where they added it in. Yeah. Now, the fact that that music is probably the, the reason why reason it's not on Blu-ray. Why there's, nah. no, there's no Blu-ray and it's not streaming anymore yeah. either. That's probably... It's a crime. I, 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 it is. A damn crime. Because this is, this is a... I, I'm going to use this word a lot. This is a beautiful film. It's beautiful, yes. I, in the story, in the relationships, in its craftsmanship... <sighs> Uh, just the way it looks and sounds, it is just, and, and the way it makes you feel. Yeah, I'm glad you got that from this. This makes me very happy. Yeah, that I adore this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to uh, the cast, though, there's some people yes. we got to mention. Definitely, the definitely. mustache himself, Sam Elliott, yeah. is in this movie as Gar, kind of a Rusty's <sighs> on and off again boyfriend that. Uh, they keep breaking up and getting back together, but he, he comes back in this movie and he's in a good amount of it. And he is, God, he's just amazing, <laughs> as yeah. always. I mean, this, this is just before he's the Silver Fox. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's still a he's fox a, in this. 
No, I he's no. I'm saying he's 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 got sort of this salt and pepper uh-huh. hair thing going on, and I mean he wear okay he wears a t-shirt that says mustache rides. Yes, in the movie, <laughs> which is just that that is Sam Elliott encapsulated right there. <laughs> oh man, and his perform. I mean, Sam Elliott is kind of always Sam Elliott. Yeah. He's one of those actors, and I don't mean that in any disparaging sense you know he's not a chameleon actor he is just so charismatic though and he's so he's, he's always got that sort of sideways smile and that 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 sort of that voice thing that he does you very know? charming he's, but he's, he's so compassionate twinkle. in yes. this movie as well yeah. which i love um there's also laura dern oh, little yes. baby laura dern oh and she is Again, and she's she's wonderful. Again, like and, so charming, yeah. so yeah. beautiful, and you can see why she is where she is now. Where like everybody is obsessed with oh, Laura Dern. Man. It's like, where have you been? Well, I adore Laura and, Dern. And to, and to think, you know, this was this was I don't know if this was her first big role, but it's close to it. I didn't look that um, up. I'm not sure. Yeah, because this this would have been an early thing. Then the next year, she did her breakout role in Blue Velvet. I, I, I love how she's just a person that you just want to hang around exactly. with yeah. in this movie. I mean, she's so sweet and just purely kind. Mm-hmm. And not in that's any like way that's everybody in this movie, though. That's why this movie yeah. like breaks my heart and kills me, because I adore all these people so much. Yes. Any other like, mm-hmm. actors that stood out to you? Well, I mean... Estelle Getty um, is Rusty's mom. <laughs> Very small yeah. part, but she's she's great. Um, the okay, so the kid who plays his friend uh, is is quite good as well. Uh, Lawrence uh, Monos I don't know him. Yeah, he I think he's ben. really good. Yeah, and then Harry Carey Jr. Yes. is red. Right. Uh, can't forget him. Um, and the thing is, you might those of you if you don't know the older films of his of Harry Carey Jr. You will know him from The Lost Boys. He plays uh, the grandpa, grandpa in The Lost Boys. He was in, you know, tons of, you know, like John Ford westerns, Howard Hawks movies, things like that uh, back in the day. I mean, his his list of credits is gigantic, and he's he's great in this he's movie. So great. And and I think that's why for me, I mean, I know we're jumping around a little bit with the plot. This that's like what we do. I mentioned that's okay. before. This is a this is not really a plot movie. No. This is a characters movie. So the plot is very episodic. It's, you know, he goes to school. This you know, happens. He, start, this he, happens, he starts yeah. a new school. He gets friends there. You know, there's, he goes to a camp for the blind. You know, these sorts of things. I mean, it's not, it's not a simple, basic through story. Right. It's very much a slice of life. Slice, I should say slices of life kind of movie. Yeah. The character of Red is just sort of this wonderful, one of those wonderful supporting character roles that you see in movies i feel less and less where you know you just have this colorful character that doesn't really do anything for the plot or the story he's there because he's interesting and his relationship with his girlfriend is interesting i love them little and a little weird you know And, and these sorts of things it's these capturing of 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 that feeling of reality so his scene, the fact that his scene where he, where we find out that he has died, and we have his funeral, 
that that scene was cut out of the original of the of the cut that went to theaters is mind-boggling to me because mm-hmm. to me that's one of the most important scenes in the whole movie yeah it ends with the Thematically, what's one of the most important things? Yeah, something and that to the ending where where what Rocky okay. says about how yeah nobody really dies. Nobody really dies there. He's everywhere. Yes, now. he's he's not confined to. He's not he's not in the coffin. He's everywhere now, and that he's is in the people that loved him. Yeah, that's this Cher's last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. And so, and and it just seems bizarre to me that that was cut out. But what was so weird was while I was watching this, I, I there were little glimpses of things that I remembered. Like I remembered the line uh, uh, where he says, "Hey, can you create? Can you guys invent one of these uh, <laughs> these hospital gowns where your where your rear end doesn't hang out?" Yeah. I remembered that line uh, <laughs> exactly, and I remembered. Another thing I remember, I swear I remembered them lower, lowering the motorcycle. I do too. I, and so I swear for that, I remember something about the funeral scenes. Like like we were talking yeah. about, the, it might have been one of those things where the TV version sometimes added in mm-hmm. scenes not in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Because I swear I remember seeing that. Yeah, because lowering the motorcycle into the grave was... Because one of those things, because my dad was into motorcycles and things like that, and he he just thought that was really funny, and I swear I remember him commenting on that. Mm-hmm. So for for then to hear that that was one of the scenes that was cut out of the movie, I thought it was. <laughs> you know that that was just like what kind of weird moment of deja vu am I experiencing? Who knows? <laughs> you know, uh, who knows? Yeah, exactly. One of my um, what do you, okay? The main thing ahead. that I. I take away from this movie and I told you this before you watched it again. Think about the word family when you watch mask. This movie tugs at my heartstrings because this is one of my favorite things to see in movies, TV shows, any kind of story is that idea of a found family and the intense and unbreakable love that they can have for each other. And I feel that so much in this movie with Rusty and Rocky and their motorcycle gang friends. Like, these yeah. people are amazing people. And I adore them so much. Yes, they are. You know, their, I, I, their acceptance, obviously, yeah. of Rocky. Yeah. And their intense love and protection for him. It's not just yes. about him, though, that yeah. I love. They would do that for anybody in their group. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's because, you know, Rocky obviously has you know, difficulties and with the rest of society because of the way he looks. Unfortunately, people are going to judge him right away. But I think that the motorcycle gang probably also feels the same way too. You know, like they probably yeah. looked at by everybody else as criminals and bad people, but you know, we get to spend all this time with them and they are the sweetest, most protective people ever. Like they, they yeah. love each other, but they will also stomp you down if you mess with one of them. And you get an insight into that with the character of Dozer. Yes, absolutely. There's this because I that didn't scene even at the beginning is one of my favorites. About. When Rusty is driven home like early in the morning by by some yeah. dude, and she wants to get rid of him, all she has to do is point at him, and Dozer just like picks him up, throws yep. him in his car, and is like, "Get out of here." And you know the thing is, I honestly didn't think about the fact that Dozer didn't talk during the whole. Well, really, during all of the movie, yeah. until the scene uh, after the graduation, where so, he I we, cry we, at that scene. Not yeah. gonna lie, 
he 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 just he looks Rocky in the in the eyes and he, and he, and he the reason we that he doesn't he talk has, he has a very intense stutter yeah yeah he has a this heavy stutter and he just barely gets these I am so proud of you Rocky words out of his mouth and it is so beautiful again that word and nobody interrupts him nobody says anything mm-hmm. they all just stare at him and yeah. wait for him to get that sentence out. I, well, and you can see Sam, you can see Sam them Elliott. you can see them crying. Yes, yeah. Sam Elliott's right on the right next to him in that shot. He is tearing up, <laughs> and, I and, too. He, and his 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 eyes are getting moist, and and he's just like Mike got R two right now. Is, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and the thing is, I mean, you you think about this is like that is one of the things that is so great about this movie is obviously I who knows how long actors actually knew each other mm-hmm. but you feel like they have known each other for decades that yes. it's so lived in the yes, movie is exactly. very lived in and I, I the thing that i couldn't help thinking during this whole movie was you know roger ebert used to call movies empathy machines and this movie is the definition of that idea yeah. to me this is an empathy machine not just for rocky yeah. Though it very is much is for him, but also for for Rusty. My gosh, for Rusty, She's, for Dozer, yeah, for all of them. If you if you if you look at if you look at Diana. Rusty as a character, if you look at Rusty as a character in another movie, it's like oh, she's a deadbeat drug addict. No, <laughs> she but she's not that. Yes, she's struggling with addiction, but it's understandable. First of all, you get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But she's she's trying. She's always trying, and and. One of the things that that was when when Rocky goes off to camp. Oh God! <laughs> and sh- and they and they show the one scene with her trying to write a letter to him. She's losing it. And she's just a disaster. Yes. I mean, she's and 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 I think about oh my gosh, what is she gonna do after he dies? Yeah. <laughs> and I think she thinks that too. And and that sequence. Okay, I know we're skipping. <laughs> That scene where where she's just like, "Hey Rocky, get up!" Oh, even she no, even up. right she, before that, when she gets the phone call, she, the the yeah, exactly. When she, she gets, gets the phone, phone call, call and they say he's not at school, she knows in that knows. moment, and you can she see knows. it on her face. Mm-hmm. That kills me. And she goes over and she's like, "Okay, Rock, wake up." Yeah, Rocky, come on. And then and then she just so slowly admits to herself that this is happening. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're cold. You need to put on more blankets. And and then she just trashes the house, yeah. which, you know, uh, which I get that. Man. I, I get having that kind of reaction. I feel that, yep. That's why I love her so much in this movie. She yeah. is that fierce mother. No matter her problems, you know, with drugs yeah. or whatever. Um, and, you know, the screenwriter said this, too. I read this um Something that I thought while I was watching the movie is that no, she's not the perfect mother, but she was the perfect mother for Rocky. Her, yes. And the screenwriter said that too, and I was I believe that like she's not a PTA mother, you know, is what she said, but she was the perfect one to raise him because of how she she dealt with his his disease. She never made him feel sorry for himself. She treated him normally, yeah. and when she needed to, she stepped up and she fought for him like any mother would. Well, I love. Just like in that opening sequence, yeah, you know, exactly. she just marches him right into the school, sits him down, and this has clearly happened before. Oh yeah, 
You know, because Rocky's like, he's sort of smirking in the background. Oh, yeah. Of the scene. And she's, she's like, and she's her, like her, his whole yeah, life. we're not going to, yeah, he belongs here. We're not going to put him in any sort of special school. So, uh, yeah, so he'll, he'll, we'll be here tomorrow. And, and the, <laughs> the principals tried to talk about a bit and all this stuff. It's like, ah, no, we'll be here. And the thing is, I, I do like how compassionate the, okay, so the adults and the kids in the school, you know, it starts out with no, the normal reactions, mm-hmm. but he wins them over easily. So quickly. Yes. And it's done so well. I mean, he's. It, it, they don't put so much emphasis on people's reactions to him. Yeah. Which is interesting. They show them, but they're just matter of fact. But you react to him almost like Rocky does. Like, it's like, huh, okay, well, that's weird. Let's move on. You know, like when he goes and gets on the bus, and there's another guy coming off the bus, and he just kind of goes, whoa. You know, and then then you feel then at the camp for the blind where he says, "Oh, hey, uh, you in the back? Can you take your oh, mask off for yeah. me?" And he says, "Oh, I would, but I but it take a while." You know, and, and he's like, and the and the kid, this poor counselor, he's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." You know, he because he did, he's obviously most people I think in this movie are are not assholes. No, they're not. You know, they're they're like you know a lot of us. You have reactions to things that you don't understand as humans and and we're not trying sometimes we fail in trying to understand exactly yeah and i think that is what's happening with 90 percent of the people in this movie i mean there are a few assholes i mean they're her uh <laughs> laura dern's parents in the movie yes <laughs> <They're>, them. <laughs> oh they're they're awful they i mean their their daughter is so clearly i mean and laura dern i, I the character's name Diana. Sorry. Diana. She she knows what he looks like. In a way, yes. She has, yeah, they have that scene where she feels his face. She feels his face and and she's fine. You know, she's not put off in any way. Yeah. And that kind of the whole section in the movie uh, I don't know, it kind of rubs me weird in a way that the only that they have to say it seems like that the only person that he can get to love him other than his yeah. family is a blind girl, you know, kind of maybe implying that people with disabilities have trouble yeah. finding love, which is not really a good message right. to send. But right at the same time, I still uh, they're still perfect for each other in that yeah. way. They help. They try to help each other. And. And the thing is, I, I, I don't feel like okay, you you bring up a very good point, and and I'm not trying to undermine it in any way at all because I that's not I, I agree with you, um, but I also get the sense that let's say she she was cited because of her character and because of who she is, I think right. she would still find him desirable and still want to be with him. That seems to be to me how the how the trying to play anyway that's how bogdanovich and the actors involved seem to be wanting to approach that at the same time realizing it almost like they realize your point you know what i mean you know i i i I see that in this movie Uh, Um, it's the same thing like when his mom brings him the sex worker and and he gets so mad at her for that even though she's a super sweet girl and they have a great conversation He's still yeah. like, really? You think the only way I can get a girl is for you to buy her for me? And yeah, you know, she claims like that it's not because of his face when 
he knows that it is. Yeah, he knows that it is. Do I look like a freak to you? No. You know, you've always been real big on telling me that my face doesn't matter, but it does, doesn't it? You, you think that I can't even get a girl to like me unless you pay for her. That's not true. Bullshit! Bullshit yourself. You know, lots of young guys got problems getting girls. What if I was your dad and I did the same thing? I'd hate that, too. I'm sorry, you know? Maybe I was wrong. Goddamn right you were. But it had nothing to do with your face. Bullshit, Mom! Rock, where are you going? And I think that's one of the things about the movie. I mean, it also... It doesn't ignore reality, the fact that people do lack empathy and lack understanding. And so I think there is a reality in how it deals with how people um, reacted to him. And that's a a good thing for his character, too, that he put... He does the way he deals with it is he laughs it off. He makes he makes a yeah. joke out of it. He makes people like him right away so that they forget about it. But you know, several yeah. points throughout the movie, obviously, yeah, it does bother him, mm-hmm. and they yes. don't ignore that. Like that, he's just this happy-go-lucky person, and like where he doesn't feel bad about himself at all. That's important too. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that there is nuance in in the approach. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think. It's not like a, a face that he's putting on, you know, a different, right. like, persona. Like, that is actually who he is, mm-hmm. but he definitely has to exaggerate it, I think, maybe when he's first meeting people yes. to, uh, to get them to accept him, unfortunately, yeah. which is sad. It, it definitely is. And, you know, again, this is, this is one of those movies that empathy, yeah. you know, where let's, let's put something on screen that makes people, some people... Uh, uncomfortable. A few years before that, you had like the elephant man dealing with uh, facial deformity and things like that. Um, that's that's good. I mean, that's important um, as long as it's done in a way that is respectful of the reality yeah. here, you know. And and this movie definitely does <laughs> it does that. I think. I don't think it, it it again. I mean, like Superman in a very different way. It strikes a balance. Yes. Faces the reality that people will. Be fearful of things they don't understand, but also really gets into the humanity of the characters. Rocky is is not just not everything in his life is about the fact that he has this condition. Yeah, you know, it is is a fully rounded human being character that is more than just one thing. And he's a That's great person that everybody yes. loves. Everybody, and, yeah, and people, and he wins people over in such a winsome way, and it's yeah. interesting, sort of self-deprecating sort of humor mm-hmm. that he uses. Um, he's smarter that than shows them. that he is. He's in, yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's smarter. Like the, the hot guy in the school, Eric, you know, he uh-huh. tutors him, and and he gets his friends um, that way. But uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I hate to say this, like it's people don't like him out of pity <laughs> yeah like i said like it sounds bad to, to say that but they genuinely don't and you you feel that right because right. he is a, a great person in his own right he's loving and caring um like with diana he wants to help her he works so hard that scene where he helps her understand colors yes yeah such a great moment and he yeah uh, i love this movie <laughs> 
Yeah, and this, this was... I kind of get out lost in it. I'm like, huh? Yeah, and it's easy to get lost in it because it is sort of not plot-driven. Mm-hmm. It's it's driven by the characters and, and the yeah. situations that they're in and just their interactions with each other. Yeah, I was so glad to see this one again after so many so many years and what's interesting you know this movie was sort of the return of peter bogdanovich he'd had huge success in the late 60s early 70s well early 70s really he, he made targets in 68 which is a great movie uh, but wasn't necessarily targets. yeah it, it's one of my favorites but it it wasn't a huge success uh but it did open the door for the last picture show which was of course then what's up dog which i have not seen but i i Heard good things about it. It's a very different movie. Paper Moon. Then he did Daisy Miller, and he sort of people were like, I don't know about this thing. And then um, what happened in 1980 is what he was dating uh, Dorothy Stratton, who was beautiful. Uh, she was uh, as a Playboy model, I believe. They were deeply in love, uh, and she was murdered viciously. And he hadn't even thought about making a movie uh, since that happened. And actually. What drew him to want to make this movie was her, actually, because she had become interested in The Elephant Man. And she had bought this book and was looking through it and all these things about, about I, I don't think his real name was John Merrick, but it is John Merrick in the film. But um, it was a, she, he, he became interested in this idea, you know, this extreme beauty and sort of disfigurements are the things that set you apart. Mm-hmm. And so when the story of Mask was brought to him, it piqued his interest because of that, that connection. And it was almost like a a tribute to her in a way. It's not connected in any direct level in the story or anything like that, but it definitely, I mean, obviously if something like that happens to you or to someone you love, it's going to have a massive effect on forever, (laughs) you know? And so I think this movie is sort of informed by that situation in some way. Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There is and, so uh, much love in this movie. So much love is. put into it as well, mm-hmm. you can tell. And, you know, and it's more than just Bogdanovich trying to prove himself to say, I still got it. Uh, I think he that was probably part of it. <laughs> it's like, because he had kind of had this fall from grace him and you know William Friedkin both you know had sort of reached these stellar massive heights and then their then their hubris sort of brought them down for a while right well if that was going on I think he totally redeemed himself with mask yeah yeah and this was yeah and this movie is incredible and um, I don't really have anything more to add I don't think well we didn't really talk much about okay no Rocky's illness is not or his um disease is not like a forefront but what is is rusty and her drug addiction and the conflict that that causes between the two of them i mean yes that that should kind of make you dislike her a little bit it's like what Mm -hmm. is your problem like you don't have you know that you don't have much time with your son why are you doing this to yourself why are you doing this to each other and causing this rift you know but yeah, that definitely adds to her character. You you feel like maybe where that came from when her parents come to visit. Sure. And there's... I think there's also sort of a numbing of her inevitable pain. Right. She knows that Rocky's going to die. 
And so it's like, I might as well, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to think mm-hmm. about that now and much less when it actually comes. They joke about, you know, uh, getting, oh, what's his name uh, from Hellraiser shows up as one of the doctors when they go to the hospital for his Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, Andrew something, what's his name? <laughs> I, I, I know, yes, I was like, because I, I remember watching that and thinking, I know who this person is. Who is that? We're looking it up and right now. It was yeah. So ah! uh, Andrew Robinson. Robinson, yes. Yeah, and he and so yeah. Like I his, said, they, they his, joke, uh, he, they give him uh, the life expectancy of you know, three to six months, and they repeat that to him like you know it's something they've heard before. Like she comes off as if you know she doesn't believe like he's totally fine, like he's smart, he's not, he doesn't have all these problems that you thought he was gonna have. You know, but at the same time, in the back of her mind, you know, she knows that he doesn't have a lot of time. Like they, um, I think in the real life, they said that he wouldn't live to 17. And that's exactly what happened. You know, that's right. So, yeah, Yeah. I, yeah, you definitely do get that why she, she turns to drugs sometimes, even though it's, Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking and it causes unnecessary tension between the two of them when otherwise they have this amazing relationship where she would do anything for him. And and she really does on multiple occasions, try to get clean for him. Yes. I think Gar helps a little yeah. bit with that too. Him being around. Um, yeah. Him being around and having sort of a, a sense of stability with someone who it's, it's not just a infatuation between the two of them. There's real yes. connection. They really do um, complement and, and complete each other in a lot of ways. The chemistry between Sam Elliott and Cher is really great yes. in this, too. And you, you um, feel that they're this couple that have, you know, had these ups and downs yeah. and broken up a bunch of ups times, but downs. they always come back to each other. Like, yeah, you totally can get that from them because yeah. they have their yeah. moments where they're super sweet and they, they know all those little things about each other, but they also... They help. They know their problems, and they sometimes it's too much for them. And he has to. He's got to run away, like like uh, Rocky says. Yeah, she pisses you off. You run away, and then you come back. And <laughs> <laughs> yep. but at the same time, this is why I love Sam Elliott in this movie too. Like like you said, like he is at that charming like Sam Elliott with the mustache and the voice kind of thing going on. But yeah. he's also an yeah. extremely compassionate person in yes. this movie. Yes, he is. You know, I, I love Sam Elliott and. and things like you know big lebowski and also i think but but the movie that i think of that reminds me the most of this performance is him in a star is born i haven't the seen new that one. one he's really great oh the new one he's in? <laughs> in the new one the one with bradley cooper and lady gaga okay i've only seen it once i must not okay. remember that he is he does, oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, duh. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't, he has the, just this moment where Bradley Cooper sort of says, you always thought of, you're kind of like a father to me, kind of thing. All that stuff. And he sort of, okay. he sort of yeah. looks back and he's driving off. He's just got this, this hint of a tear in his eye. Yes. He's so and you good just at those little moments. That, you just want that moment to last forever. Mm-hmm. And that is, to me, that's sort of what this movie is made up of. It's just like with him, with him. Yeah. Is, is that kind of thing where he's really feeling deeply because so often his kind of characters are sort of the stoic yes. <laughs> cowboy types, you know, that's what he's especially, he's very, he's, he's kind of a new John Wayne-ish kind of guy. You know, it's, it's the man's man sort of thing. 
And so when that breaks just a little bit, it means so much. It's just like that is, it makes it so much more powerful when it happens. Yeah. And this movie has so many moments like that. Oh God, his graduation. I cry every single time that graduation when his entire family is in the back cheering the loudest. Cheering. Uh, When he gets three awards for, you know, academic achievement. Or even before that, when they they surprise him in their own way with uh, with a new suit for his graduation. That makes me tear up. I'm tearing up right now. Not even yeah. kidding. I love. I just love this. So just go get me a beer. Yes. You know, and then he then he does his little smirk mm-hmm. when he goes and it's like at first I was like, oh. and he goes in there and there's the suit and like okay yeah okay that's it's like he hasn't he hadn't really been a jerk <laughs> you know yeah uh, then he's a jerk in that scene I'm like what's going on. And I loved that. And and in the graduation itself, you know, that he's made these very close friendships with the, quote, popular yeah. kids, you know. And he's one of them. He's one of the most popular kids in school, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't fit the mold of that. It's because his personality, because he's yeah. so smart and so funny and so likable and just a beautiful person in yes. every way. And again, that's I think that's where a lot of his strength comes from, is from his mother, from Rusty. Is that she tells him that all the time and she means it, not just as a mother, you know, who obviously loves their kid. Like he really is this person and he needs to know that to be able to go on every day. Because I imagine if he didn't have that, his life would probably not have been so great, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think that that relationship, that central relationship between Rocky and Rusty is the greatest strength of this yes movie. this movie has a million strengths Brilliant. but that is that is the core yes. and that's the heart that sequence when she start because the night before you know he's been throughout the movie he puts the pins in the map mm-hmm. of all the places he wants to go he's going to go on a mike a motorcycle trip through europe uh, with his friend and yeah. after his friend says you know i'm moving back to the midwest oh like, yeah the okay. end the end of this movie like leading mm-hmm. up to his death um, is just like things just constantly knocking him down. Maybe that's why they cut out red's death because it was like uh, Ben leaves. Um, He realizes that he can't really be with Diana. She's going off to another school. Like the night before they have a great party for him, but he's got a really bad headache. Like he always gets, that's another great thing about the relationship, how, how they deal with his, his constant headaches. What works the best? It's just his mom talking to him being there with him and talking him through it. Yeah. But they can I, tell on that last night that it's different, which uh, and it's, kills me. It's sort of interesting. I'm just spitballing here a little bit that she refuses to give him any kind of medication or drug for his headaches where she is medicating her own pain. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't want him to be it, like her. She doesn't want him to be like her. She wants better for him. Yes. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> That that ending is, it's a it's a sad sad thing. But at the same time, okay. So this is where the Bruce Springsteen stuff comes back in. So <laughs> okay. she puts the she puts the pins back into into the map of Europe and says, okay, you you can go anywhere you want, which is you know directly yes uh, tying back into scene. the yeah. thing with the funeral <laughs> scene with Red. And so the fact that that's not in there anymore is just like what? Whatever. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So that is what it is. Then they show that there's been like a gap 
because they were playing the song The River, and they go to Born in the USA, which came out four years later. Okay. They're playing Born in the USA in the car, in the tr- in their truck that day, and they're visiting the gravesite. This was another thing I remembered, that um, when Dozer goes in there and he just sort of like pulls up hunks of grass from <laughs> yes. in front of the grave and puts the flowers in like he's planting them. <laughs> I love That's Dozer. another image that I remember. It's just this weird moment but then then it's so it's sort of this serene this greenery and and the trees and everything and it pulls back and it's playing the song promised land which is just the perfect song to end this movie and it pulls back showing that you know right at the edge of this greenery is the chain link fence and you know smoggy la mm-hmm. right outside this and the song promised land is playing <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's just it's it's something about it is really weird. Weird dichotomy but of also, image and yeah, sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I get it. You know, there's something about it that makes sense to your eye and ear, mm-hmm. even if your brain can't fully wrap around it. You know? And with his poem um, being you can hear it in voiceover the, the poem, poem that he wrote being, being read. read again. Ugh. And the thing is, when he the first time he reads it, she's she's ignoring him, Man. right? And um, she's mad at him. He has left pamphlets for a drug rehabilitation center around their yeah. house, and you know she's pissed yeah. off because she's like, "You don't run my life." Which is yeah. those scenes are kind of funny too because she talks to him sometimes like a, as if he's the parent. Yeah, exactly. All exactly. the time, and, and he says, and, and she says it too, like that he takes care of things. He makes sure yep. things get done around the house. So she she doesn't. She's worry very about dependent him. on him. She's like, there's no, there's never any. Hey, get up and go to school stuff. Oh no, that's there's why no, that's why she no, knows from that last day when he doesn't go to school that he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and and for me, I guess. I'm so glad I saw it in this version. Even though the Little Egypt sequence is not really necessary. No, it's just like a, it's probably like a, we gotta have Cher singing in this movie yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's not that, needed at all. That's what it feels like, though I gotta admit it doesn't really sound like a Cher no. singing. It's very much, it even plays into the whole, this lovely dynamic between yeah. mother and son. It's just you know? another I mean, cute so, scene for the two of them, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not necessary. It feels a little extraneous, but it's not terrible. No. Um, but um, seeing it with, I think the Springsteen music, especially for the beginning and the end, the stuff in the middle. I mean, I love the other songs. Thunder Road is my favorite song ever, and and stuff like that in there is really cool. But the opening with Badlands and ending with Promised Land, I cannot think of of how that movie could work as well otherwise. Honestly, yeah. without those songs bookending it. I, anyway, that's yeah. that's me, and I'm so I'm really glad that this version exists. Yeah, I'm glad. Like, I don't know why what made me buy this. I think it was just I had I was thinking about it. You know, like those movies that yeah. you used to watch all the time as a kid, and I was thinking about Mask. I was like, yeah, I want I want to own that. That's a really really good movie. So I went up and I yeah. bought the DVD, and I was like, fuck, this movie is so much better than I ever remembered it. I, I loved it for all these same reasons. I think yeah. back then, but God, it just kills me now. Like I basically cry through most of the movie now. And even talking about it, I really was tearing up while we were talking oh, yeah. about it. Cause it just, that's what it does to you. That's the, the feelings that you get from the characters and their interactions and their relationships. It's, it's kind of everything that I love about movies. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it, it introduces you into a world in such a beautiful way. You want to live in it for 
you want to be the family with these people? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when it's over, you kind of still want to live. And for me, I mean, that's my, uh, like I said in our first episode, you know, almost famous is like that for me. Mm-hmm. This has so, sort of some of that same kind of feeling. They're so different. I mean, there's almost nothing else in common between the two, but it, that sense of being in a world that you want to hang out. Yes. You know, and just be in is, is such a beautiful yeah. thing. Oh, I'm really glad I picked this one. I'm so happy to talk about it. It's, it's yeah, been a favorite yeah. for so long. Both of these movies, I really enjoyed both of these movies <laughs> revisiting. Because um, I hadn't seen Superman in quite a while. Yeah, this is good. See, we can make it work with two totally different movies. <laughs> totally different movies. Okay, so uh, next time. Oh, actually, before we do that, yeah. we, we wanna, do you want to give a recommendation? I do. Okay, so our weekly recommendation for this week, um, I'm going to do something a little bit different. My recommendation, uh, if, okay, if you've been following me on Twitter, at least for the last year or so, you know that I have been on this journey. And there's a journey to see every uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> JCVD <Yes>. movie. <laughs> I realized sometime uh, earlier this year that I ha- I don't think I had seen any of his movies before. And so I've just kind of been on this every every couple of weeks. I will watch a new JCVD movie and I am in love with the dude. I love every single movie. Like just last night I was trying to... Uh, I tweeted out something like I was trying to think of what my top five would be. And then it's like, oh, there's still so much more I have to do. So, but that has been like super fun and just super rewarding for me to do that. So that's my recommendation is to not JCVD in particular, even though that's super fun to do. If you're not as familiar with his movies, uh, pick any actor, any director, anybody whose work maybe you're not as familiar with and just kind of dive in and yeah. watch everything. If there's yeah. somebody that you're in love with, <laughs> you know, some actor that you've got the thing for, and maybe there's some stuff that you haven't seen, go and watch those just for the actor, no matter what the movie is. Yeah. It can be, you can yeah. find a lot of cool stuff and it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, um, that's, you know, I am new to, uh, to our friend, Mr. The Muscles from Brussels. <laughs> I have, uh, <laughs> I've only seen one. I've seen Universal Soldier so far. and That's it. But, I'll get there. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I'll see as many as you have, but I will. Uh, I'll see some more. I still got a lot to go. But um, a couple months ago, I did uh, all of Wes Craven's films. Of course, I had been familiar with many of them, most of them. But I actually watched everything that I could in order, mm-hmm. from beginning to to end, including like TV episodes that I could track down. Isn't that fun to do though? To do just like a deep dive on one person and to be totally it, it, immersed in them for a while. It was amazing. And the thing is, it was I was still in quarantine when I was watching it, so I was able to watch one at least one every day. So I watched it like pretty quickly. And there were a few I had never seen, and a few I hadn't seen in a while. And you know, it's cool to see someone something like that. I mean, you see how they grow as a filmmaker and change as a filmmaker, and the things that stay the same. I'm thinking of doing that again with uh, David Cronenberg. Oh, be um, good. Um, anyway, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's a great, great way. It's I a good thing to do um, while we're still in this uh, time. You know, you got the yeah. time. You're at home. What's your recommendation this week? My recommendation is this is probably going to be old by the time this uh, old news by the time this goes live, but that's okay. I highly recommend something I just just came to Shutter last week. It's Leap of Faith, uh, William Friedkin, and The Exorcist. So it's essentially... A documentary? or It's a documentary. Um, it's 
essentially an interview with William Friedkin, and it focuses mostly, almost entirely, on the on The Exorcist. Cool. And the thing is, I've I've seen so much stuff on The Exorcist. I've read Friedkin's autobiography. I I, I was from. I thought I knew pretty much everything there was out there, at least from Friedkin's point of view. But he really had some interesting insights, even you know criticizing his own film for for things that he think, thinks are really wrong with it, and he that he uh, went with because of uh, his respect for William Peter Blatty. It's a really interesting look at, and, you know, but throughout it, you see, you know, his love for cinema, what drew him into loving movies. That sounds cool. His love for painting and for music, like classical music and stuff. That's something I didn't know. It was, yeah, it's, it's a great interview and it's mostly an interview. If, if you saw, and it's, uh, it's intercut. Yeah, like De Palma. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's intercut with scenes from they, they actually show a lot from Sorcerer awesome. in conjunction with The Exorcist, which I thought was really interesting. There's a lot more um, to to draw between the two than you'd expect, huh. um, and so and Sorcerer is fucking rad. So yeah, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, Leap of Faith. Uh, cool. It's on Shutter. Let's check that and out. That sounds it, cool. I hadn't even heard of that. It's if if you're a fan of The Exorcist, like I am, it's Definitely, or just a fan of uh, Freakin's other stuff, you know, French Connection, etc. Yeah, check it check out. Check it out. All right, next week. Next week. Next episode, or I, mean, I don't know if we're doing this every week or bi-weekly or whatever. We'll just say next episode. <laughs> then we'll just say ne- Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, next episode, we're gonna do kind of a similar theme. We're gonna do our parents' birth year movies. And this time we both picked our dad's birth years. Yes. So for me, that would be 1957. Um, it's my dad's birth year. And I choose one of my favorite movies ever. I'm so freaking excited to talk about this. 12 Angry Men. And also speaking of William Friedkin, because he made the remake. Ah, but, right. uh, yeah, this is one of my absolute favorites yes. as well. Uh, this, was, this was one of the first... I guess classic movies where I really engage. It's one of those movies I can watch over and over again, never get bored. Never, 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 and it feels so modern yeah. and of the now. And I cannot wait to talk about that movie. Yeah, I'm sure you um, can see it probably anywhere. It's a Criterion yes. put it out. I have the Criterion Blu-ray, which is awesome. Yeah, I didn't really look at this, see where it was streaming or anything, but I'm sure yeah. I'm sure you can find it anywhere, right? Twelve Angry Men is not hard to find. Um, unfortunately. The movie that I'm picking is a little bit tricky, as it turns out, uh, which surprised me. The movie I've picked is from 1949. It is Carol Reed's The Third Man, which is a stone-cold classic. And another one that I have not seen. Every single movie you've chosen, (laughs) I have never seen before. So I'm loving this. Okay, so so this is uh, Joseph Cotton. um, I know it very well, but I never saw it. Yeah. This is Joseph Cotton. This is Orson Welles. This is Vienna post-war. This is the great Ferris wheel sequence. This is so much wonderfulness that, oh man, I I can't wait. In in all honesty, I, and I hope I'm not going, I hope you're not disappointed by it now that I'm (laughs) saying all this, but, but this to me is one of the greatest movies of all time. Hard, a little bit hard to find. You might need to check it out from a local library. I know lots of libraries.
libraries have this movie. It was released on Criterion a couple of times, but then they went out of print multiple times. Um, and it's Studio Canal, I think, has a Blu-ray out, though. So if you haven't seen The Third Man, trust me, you want to see The Third Man. I'm so looking forward yeah. to that episode. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this one. This is good. This next episode is like, oh yeah, this is this is uh, what I've been waiting. I know, for. right? And I've loved, I've loved everything that we've talked about so far. But I um, love that we're to going hit back on, too. Yes, and and we want to do that. We want to we want to hit some really some classic stuff. We want to hit uh, new stuff. We want to hit everything we can. Stuff from different um, decades. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've been kind of in the seventies and eighties over yeah. the past uh, couple of weeks. So, so heading back break. to forties yeah. and fifties. Yeah. So this is great. I'm all right. Uh, thanks all everybody for listening. Um, if you want to talk to us some more, you can find us both online. Um, I'm on Twitter at Michelle in Agen. And I am on Twitter at Brian D. Kuiper. And you can find the show. Um, our Twitter handle is at Movie Life Pod. So please follow us there. Let us know. Uh, pick a movie for this topic for, for you. What's your favorite birth year movie? Yeah. If you're like us, you have a lot to choose from and it's a hard decision. <laughs> but I love the choices that we went with for this. Yeah. Yeah. This was great. Okay, thank you, everyone, and thank you. we'll see you soon. Bye.